The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I don't think that could have gone any worse, could it? Did you, did you enjoy your week off? Did you enjoy your week of not having to watch the Montreal Canadiens do this shit? I did. And then we come back and you, you think that, you know, maybe uh, a little bit better effort, uh, like perhaps, you know, may, maybe just a little bit better. Nope. They lose. Seven to one. To the New Jersey Devils, who, by the way, are one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference. They're not the worst. They're not the worst. That honor belongs solely to the Montreal Canadiens at this point. Huh. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and I am pissed off. I'm pissed off. Um... <laughs> How can you not be after watching a, a 7-1 drubbing? Like, what What about that was good? What about that gives you any hope in the future of this team? I can't even bring myself to, to do a recap on that. I mean, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. It was 2-0 at the end of one period, and the shots were 12-5 in favor of the New Jersey Devils. So right off, you know, from the first period, you could tell it probably wasn't going to go that well. And then all of a sudden in the second period, they play much, much better. They get, they're getting more shots. They get a goal back. Brett Kulak gets one from the point. And then it just goes to shit. And it goes to shit fast. And next thing you know, it's the third period. Thomas Tatar's scoring to make it, what, I think Tatar was the 6-1 goal. Who, who knows at this point? I, I'm not even sure. Yeah, no, Thomas Tatar was the 7-1 goal. He scored the last one, 7-1. His first point, apparently, in 12 games. And, of course, it had to come against the Montreal Canadiens, who didn't re-sign him. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and rehash that decision or anything. But, of course, of course, this team is historically bad. Historically bad. You want to know how many goals they've allowed in their last five games? I'm going to tell you. 33. 33 goals they've allowed in the last five games. I mean, there's a measure of that that you have to put on goaltending. Like, for sure, if you allow that many goals in that few of games, yeah, you're, you're not getting the best goaltending. But at the same time, you, you got to look at the defensive zone coverage. It's unbelievably bad. I don't know what the goaltenders are supposed to do on a lot of these goals. I mean... Uh, Caden Primo, there's a few where he's like, he's trying to look around the traffic and everything, but he can't. Like, he can't see the puck. The first goal that the Devils scored on the night was, to me, 100% on Jeff Petrie. 100%. He's 
following his man, which was uh, Michael McLeod. He's following him up because uh, he's skating towards the points, but he turns and he goes back towards the net. Jeff Petrie doesn't turn and follow him. Jeff Petrie instead continues up and just puck watches towards the point. And then by the time he turns around and tries to come back and get to Michael McLeod, it's too late. Michael McLeod's already banging the rebound into the net. And then on top of that, Jeff Petrie shoves him into Caden Primo. So not only does Primo get scored on and the Habs go down, uh, on top of that, just to make matters worse, to add injury to insult, although he didn't get injured, Caden Primo has to get run over by a guy who's shoved into him by his own defenseman. I, like, uh, I'm, I'm so tired of, of watching this team. This is a guy in, in Petrie who has apparently requested a trade. He wants to get traded. Do you want to get traded? Do you really want to get traded? Because it kind of seems like you're tanking your own fucking value with the way that you're playing right now. Like, show some effort, right? That was just a... He was on the ice for four goals against. That was the worst one, right? But he was on the ice for four goals against. I mean, if you're a team that's looking for help on defense and you happen to tune into that particular shit show of a game from the Montreal Canadiens and you're seeing the way Jeff Petrie played, are you giving up, you know, top dollar to bring that guy onto your team? I don't know. I don't think I would. I'd be like, this is how you play when when things get tough? I mean, apparently, there is still league-wide interest. And I really hope that Kent Hughes is what I think he is in terms of his ability to sell players based on what they've previously done in the league. Because what I'm seeing from Jeff Petrie right now, I can't see how anybody's paying top dollar. I can't see how anybody's giving up a prospect and a pick. Uh, Certainly not a first-round pick anyways. I don't know. But... (laughs) I mean, brutal game from him. Brutal game. He has to be better than that. He has to at least show some effort. You know, there, there was very little effort coming from him on that night. But I don't want to lay this f- loss at the feet of Jeff Petrie because he was on the ice for four goals against. Realistically, it is the coverage. It is the system that this team is using. Now, the coaches will have you believe, oh, it's goaltending. Oh, it's the players. They just weren't executing it properly. No, it is the system. Or rather, you could say the complete and utter absence of a system. There's way too much puck watching going on. There's way too much collapsing into the slot and screening their own goaltenders. There's way too much blown assignments. There's, there's, there's no system. If there is a system, I would love for somebody to point out to me how the fuck it would result in wins. Or even, you know, forget wins, all right? I think we're past the point of expecting this team to win a lot of games. I don't expect them to win a lot of games. Nobody should be expecting them to win a lot of games. But we can at least expect them not to get shelled 7-1 by one of the other teams occupying the fucking basement of the conference. It's it's unbelievable. And if... I said before the break, right, that I, I really hope they take that opportunity. They take this time off and it's like, all right, this is a good time for us to maybe put in a new coach, right? Again, nobody's expecting the new coach to all of a sudden turn them into a playoff team. But at the very least, you know, you get somebody new in there and maybe we can have a little bit of pride for the remainder of the season. But no, no, we're going to stick with this guy. We're going to let him run this team into the ground so they can not only maybe have the worst season in club history in over 100 years of the Montreal Canadiens we might have the worst season they've ever had we might have the worst season that any team in the expansion era has ever had we might I don't know if this team is going to get to 40 points this season that's insane yes there's a measure of saying well uh you know sometimes you you gotta suck if you want to get the first overall pick but you're not even guaranteed to get the first overall pick 
The only thing you're guaranteed to get if you finish last is the best odds in the lottery for the first overall pick. So they they could go through all this. They could go through the worst season in club history and and still not get Shane Wright. Right? I mean, you'll you'll probably get a, a pretty damn good player. I mean, Savoy looks looks pretty good as well. Uh, but I mean, you're you're not guaranteed the first overall pick. They they have to fire this guy. They have to fire Dominic Shaum. I don't understand why they haven't. Now it was pointed out to me because I was I was actually talking to my dad about it, and he said, "Well, what do you expect a, a new general manager to just come in and immediately fire the guy?" He's like, "No, it's gonna it's gonna probably be until the end of the season, but at the very least, he's gonna take his sweet time before he makes that decision." And you know, maybe. I guess I agree with that. I guess I, I understand it at the very least, but I, I just don't I, like. I don't have it in me to keep watching this team play the way that they're playing. If they were at least keeping it competitive, right? Then I, I would have a case to to maybe lay off of the coach and stop ranting about firing him every single goddamn game. But they're not. It's so brutally uncompetitive. It's, you know, the, the moment the first goal get, goes in, it's it's more a waiting game and and wondering, you know, how many are they going to let in, right? It's not a question of can they come back. I mean, even after they, uh, Brett Kulak scored that goal to bring them in close, they get a power play. And we were joking about it in the EOTP chat. I was like, oh, God, here's a power play to ruin any momentum. And then sure as God's got sandals, they don't do shit with the power play. And then they get scored on afterwards. I don't, I mean... Oh, man. I've never seen a team this bad in my entire life. I've never seen a hockey team this bad in my entire life. I played on a team when I was younger, and we had to go up to Toronto for a tournament, right? And we had to play against the Toronto Marlboros, and they had John Tavares on their team. And they spanked us, like, 11-2. to I remember that game, and I remember thinking, you know, we have a chance we have a chance in this game, right? These Habs have professional players on their team who have played against guys like John Tavares in the NHL. And when I watch them, I every night I'm like, they don't have a goddamn chance. It's sad. And I, I think they're starting to take notice too. I mean, you see some of the quotes coming from the, the post game here. Like Josh Anderson said, we need to get out of this funk. It's not fun to come to the rink. We need to make hockey fun again and refresh. We can't get embarrassed like that. I mean, fuck. You think it's tough to come to the rink, man. Uh, I get it. I, I get it 100%. It's tough to watch on television. I'm not even doing anything. I'm sitting on my couch taking notes so that I can record a podcast afterwards. And it is tough for me. It's embarrassing for me. I get made fun of at work for Christ's sake because I got a I got a Habs jersey on in my picture that I have on my Outlook. So every time I go into a meeting, people are like, "Oh, you're a Habs fan." Well, sorry. I mean, come on, it, it's got to be tough for them. They 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 got to be feeling this. And again, I I boil a lot of this down to the coaching. I mean, Ben Sherratt, he said, "If we had the answers, I think we'd try to fix it." Yeah, I think so. I believe you. But the problem is the person who's supposed to be responsible for fixing it, I don't believe that he has the answers. I don't believe that he's capable of getting the answers. Again, I want to speak now to anybody who listens who is a defender of Dominique Charme. I, I don't know how you're still a defender of Dominique Charme, 
but I, I want to speak directly to those people if they are in fact listening. Please rack your brain and come up with one good reason, one sign that this man is capable of coaching this team back to success. And don't tell me because he made the Stanley Cup final or because he won a Memorial Cup. You're not allowed to use either of those two reasons. Come up with something from this season that you've seen that indicates that this is a NHL coach capable of building a competitive NHL team. I don't want to hear about the Stanley Cup final run. He had a losing record. Uh, I think he had a losing record during the regular season going into the... Maybe it wasn't losing. It was. He has an, a losing overall record as an NHL coach, even when you factor in that Stanley Cup run. That run was magical, and it was authored by Carey Price. Now you don't have Carey Price, and you're terrible. You want to go back to the Memorial Cup and say, oh, well, he had success in junior. Okay, great. Yeah, you had success in junior with a stacked Halifax team, an absolutely stacked Halifax team in junior where virtually nobody plays defense anyways. It's all about score as many goals as you possibly can. And he had a very gifted offensive team in Halifax. I'll give it to him. He did a good job with that team. But it's junior. It's different. You know who the winningest coach is in uh, Memorial Cup history? The coach with the most Memorial Cups? Don Hay. You want to take a wild guess what his record's like in the NHL as a coach? Losing. He's a losing record as a coach in the NHL. So I don't want to hear shit about the success he had in junior. And again, I don't want to hear shit about one run to the Stanley Cup final. A magical run where the players came together and did something special. Right? You don't get credit for that. Even if they won, even if they beat Tampa, I still wouldn't be giving him credit for that. I might you know what? I shouldn't say that. If they won the cup, I might I might give him a, I might give him one shitty year and uh, I might lay off, but um, who knows? They didn't. So here we are. <laughs> Anyways, end rant. Silver lining. What can I possibly give you for a silver lining out of that game? Well, I can't. Uh, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to give you a silver lining from that game. But I am, once again, going to look to Junior for your silver lining. And the silver lining I'm going to give you is none other than Jan Mishak, playing for the Hamilton Bulldogs. He is on an absolute heater lately. Uh, I, if you go to my Twitter feed, if you're interested in it, you can go back a couple of days and you will find a gif of him uh, basically alley-ooping a puck into the net. Uh, he's skating in, just drives the net. Um, I think it was Ryan Winterton. I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and check. But one of his teammates anyway sauces the puck and it's up around, you know, belly level and he bats it into the net. Beautiful hand-eye coordination. He's on an absolute heater. He had another goal and an assist tonight for Hamilton while the Habs were playing. Kind of wish I was watching that game instead of watching the Habs, but it's my job to watch the Habs. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we, we got a good one in Jan Mishak is what I'm, trying to, what I'm trying to get across here. He's got like 26, 27 goals in the year. Um, I legitimately think uh, he could be part of the future for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I know we saw a little bit of him at the beginning of the season. Uh, we've seen him in Hamilton before, uh, or sorry, not Hamilton, in uh, Laval before. And um, listen, I think this guy could make, uh, he could surprise a little bit next year. I, I don't know. I, th I think he's, he's more likely going to be bound for the Rocket than the Habs, but he could surprise. So your silver lining is that. Jan Mishak's on a tear, folks. Future might be bright for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, certainly doesn't look bright right now, but it could be. That's going to be it for the podcast. We're running over 15 minutes. So, uh, soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. 
we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. I know uh, after a game like that, I'm sure not a lot of people want to hear too much about the Montreal Canadiens. But, you know, if you do, well, I'm always here. Next game is going to be, what, uh, Thursday night against the Washington Capitals. That should be fun. So we'll see you then. À la prochaine.